Blog Talk Radio. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Hello, Anne. Hi. Hello. Yes. Hi. Are, hi. Are we live? Yes, we are. We are okay, um, a little late good. because was, we had some yes. <laughs> we had some technology well, issues here. Sorry if you're listening. So sorry. Blog Talk Radio was not recognizing either one of us, and very very sorry. So speaking of advice, what happens when your client just can't even get on the phone? <laughs> I mean, some days that might be a good, some days that might be a yeah. good thing when you. <laughs> In any case, well, here welcome. We are. Here we are. Here so we are. Grateful. Yeah. Good, good, welcome good. Oh to- well, hi. Okay, well, welcome to Be Above Blog Talk Radio Show, and this is our semi-annual coaching advice show, and this is (laughs) Ursula, and I'm here with Anne. Finally, I mean, my text messages to (laughs) Anne is, is, my phone is just about ready to blow up. (laughs) We should should post a screenshot of all of the the foul language, not at each other, but just the the frustration, which which makes me sort of think, you know, um, and hopefully we'll get some people calling in and, and um, we can talk about this, but it kind of is this, you know, what do you do when your client comes on and it's just been tough or, um, you know, you're, you know, like, how do you, how do you kind of get reconnected and all of that? And what's going on in the brain, Ursula? Oh my God! I mean, really, the the stress level and therefore the adrenaline and cortisol that's really shutting yeah. down my 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 really smart brain. It's like okay, yeah. what what do we do now? Now I think this is a really interesting question, and because I think uh, our clients come to the call like that, but it's a whole different story when the coach is like that, I right? Think. Right. You know, I think about it, you know, this isn't even anything that, that coaches don't know, but, you know, it might be worth talking about. There's, you know, one of the things that Ursula and I like to say, this is not as profound as I'm setting it up to be, but is you can only self-manage if you can self-manage. And there may be times where uh, because of the stress load and so, you know, as Ursula said, the, when something happens, and especially right before the call for either coach or client, that overloads us with stress. And so, you know, we're fine. We're, we're, now we're on blog talk, but it's a little bit of stress. <laughs> People are waiting. You know, it's how are we getting on? And, um, but sometimes this happens with something in our life. We get bad news or we make the mistake of opening email right before, a, you know, while we're waiting for the call and something that is shocking and unexpected happens. And w- literally what happens in our brain is we get this influx of um, fight, flight, and freeze chemicals, adrenaline and cortisol. Yes. And yeah. if you can self-manage and breathe, Um, and go forward and coach, great. But one of the things that that does is it makes it harder for us to hear, literally, makes it harder for us to um, make thoughtful decisions. We kind of have, we end up sort of running a little bit on autopilot. So I guess part of our advice is we've got some advice if your client is there, but if you're there as a coach, man, those are those times I think you sometimes have to say, give me 10 minutes, which I've done. Um, with yeah. clients, or you know what, I just heard, you know, just got really bad news, and I need to reschedule. 
Yeah, and I have that? done that. Yeah, I have done that. Um, uh, I can't remember anymore uh, what was happening. Uh, I, I think it was a it was a personal fall con. I think my mom had called like five minutes before, um, of ten minutes before I was uh, on a coaching call. And uh, she wasn't well or on the way to the hospital and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, know, I I, I said to her, you know, I I have a call in 10 minutes. I call you right back. I'll reschedule the client. And um, so, you know, I had to manage this. Now, here's a funny story um, about, uh, you know, something not quite as serious, but in some way somewhat funny. So I am on the call with a client, I and mean, we are just starting, and I am hearing, and my office is upstairs, and I am hearing the dog downstairs scratching and whining and scratching and whining. And so I'm saying to the client, you know, just give me one minute. I need to go downstairs. I'm not sure what's up with the dog. And so I go downstairs, and for some reason, he's locked himself into the bathroom. <laughs> and I can't open the door from the outside. And so I'm carrying my headset around with my client on the call, and I'm sort of talking to her as I'm walking downstairs, saying, I'm really sorry, let me just walk downstairs. And so she's on the call with me, and I'm saying, oh, my God, the dog has locked himself into the bathroom. I'm not quite sure what to do here. And so she said, oh well, my gosh. do you want to call back? And I said, oh, hold yeah. on a minute. I forgot that we have this little extra key that, you know, like one of those funny little pokey things that if a kid locks itself him, it, him right. Right, 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 yeah. And in this last minute, as I'm talking to the client, I remember I have that. So I, this is by way of saying, because I could actually tell her what was going on, my brain was actually not going so completely offline. I could actually stay um, there because I had somebody yeah. listening in distress. What? And what that sort of le- that's beautiful, Ursula, and it sort of leads to you know that um, when the client comes on and they are in this place of you know maybe they were all ready for the call and had a wonderful topic and then they found out and this has happened to me they found out they're getting laid off mm-hmm. or you know their mother is in the hospital and so there went all of their plans and obviously there's those things that you just need to reschedule at the last minute but there's this whoosh effect of and if it is very difficult news like you're getting laid off and you didn't think you would be um, it can come in like a wave of chemicals literally your face will go red you can almost I think of it as being knocked in the face by a wave and then Mm -hmm. what we need to do is figure out how do we get this person to a place where coaching is possible and is it or do they just need to vent I mean that's okay too But one of the things we know about managing stress is just giving them a chance to say what's going on, to name the emotion, really Mm -hmm. can help calm down the chemicals. And yes. I think that's what and you I think, had. You had, you could do Yeah, it. absolutely. And, uh, you know, luckily, because I'm aware of what my brain is doing now, you know, these days after, you know, six or seven years of, of working with the neuroscience and coaching and with you, it, it's, it's become easier. Um, and I think mm. this is actually, um, I think this is what is really helpful about these situations because if you can explain to the client what is actually happening in their brain in this moment, it helps the brain actually be clearer and have, and have a bigger ability to deal with this stress. I totally agree, Ursula. You know, one of the things I like to say is we was, we've been given this amazing, complex, incredibly complex system to run. And, you know, it's like the iPhone only a million times more complex, probably literally. And nobody, even with your iPhone, you get a quick start manual, right? You get the basics. You don't have to learn. I mean, I do not know the depths of what my iPhone's capable of. Obviously, I use 10%. But we don't even, but that's, you know, but I know how to do the basics. We don't even really get told that about our brain. That, for example, when you get shocking news, bad news, when somebody really thwarts you or criticizes you, your brain goes in a state where you literally, your your vision narrows, your hearing 
uh, can get compromised. They start, you can't remember what they're saying. And, you know, I think about how many times clients have said to me, oh, you know, I walked away and then I thought of all these great things I could have said. <laughs> why why yes. can't I think the of good that comeback. in the moment? <laughs> right. And it's like because your brain just makes you jelly. Your brain becomes jelly in that moment because what becomes important to the being is survival. And survival is either get out of this situation, get away as quickly as you can, fight, so that's we say these irrational things, or for many of us, just become a blubbering idiot in this kind of freeze state. So one of the things that I've and Ursula have really come to stand for is you can't you can't coach someone who's in that state. You can't have a productive conversation in a relationship if someone is in that state. The only thing you can do is figure out how to get them back to human being state and out of sort of angry animal state. <laughs> and you can have a conversation with a human being, you know, yeah, right. capable of reflection and thought. But when we're in this like whoosh place, man, we're not. So, we need to um, help our clients name how they feel without it going into a big vent. We need to, we can um, use anything that you've got, but don't expect that in the first, ten, if they're really upset, in the first 10 to 20 minutes, don't expect you're going to have productive coaching. Your job in that moment is nothing more than to get their higher brain, which has been now, you know, knocked like a pool ball into the corner of the table, bring that brain back, what we would say, sort of bring it back online. And so don't worry about how brilliant your coaching is. You want to just get them in a state where they're um, biochemically more balanced. Yeah, where, where the rational brain can actually be rational. You know, I find right. uh, when that happens, I think one of uh, the biggest challenges for me in, in this situation as a coach is to stop the flow of you know, emotional and verbal, you know, dumping. Um, they are, I mean, I, it, it, I've had this, that the client comes on, they're so upset, and it is really, it's almost like a story that I, I can't stop. Like a loop. They're on a loop. Oh, it's just like, it's like, you know, you know, this happened, and then, you know, he said, and she said, and this and all, and it's like, and sometimes I find that the brain of the client gets so chaotic, it then starts, you know, looking at other things that went wrong, and all of a sudden we have this whole pile of everything that went wrong, and I feel a little bit like a border collie trying to herd <laughs> all these crisis sheep, you know, into some kind yeah. of a gate so that the client <laughs> can focus on something. You know, it's yeah. it's goodness gracious. I don't want to cut them off, in, but as you said, at the same time, I also don't want to have this keep going and going and going because I know that right. just makes the brain that's even worse for the brain so i right, think that's another challenge it, of it of stopping it no no go ahead yeah no it, no i'm good it, it, there's this no no well there's this funny balance between just simply like you did simply being able to say to your client my dog has locked himself in the bathroom and i don't know how to get him out and you know just say that and have the client and this is why i was going to say this is also why i love long-term clients because they get that i'm a human being too you know and i'm gonna have like stuff and you know in the broader context of our relationship it's okay every so often if the coach has a crisis um i'm not a robot but there's this sort of naming versus like ramping up and we yeah. can recreate it, even if we're not in the incident itself we can recreate the biochemical state our brains are very helpful we want to tell you about how terrible the boss is the brain will help if, if i go on too long bring in those chemicals and it's like i'm right back there so i think this is the place where we say okay you know, go, I'm going to give you two minutes, tell me everything that's wrong, put some boundary around it like the border collie, uh -huh. um, get them into, I often think um, that I need to disrupt, I need to be a, be a disruptive force because I've got to disrupt this tape loop of victimhood. 
and things like saying, hold on a minute, what values got stepped on? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason, I know Ursula does this too, part of the reason this works, so let's give you a little physiological explanation, is that if I ask you in the middle of, you know, you've just gotten laid off and it feels really unfair, what values, and it's you can feel that that person in their vent, the 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 violation of their values is not is probably not part of that tape loop and that's going to require accessing the higher brain because my reactive animal brain doesn't know for val- from values it's just pissed but oh what well, will hold on a minute and you can feel the client will, will stop mm-hmm. well of a big value about communication and fairness and that didn't happen now you have to be you have to be like careful it doesn't ramp it all up again okay good so you know, keep them in that, you're recruiting the higher brain and you're bringing it into the picture. When you bring the higher brain in the picture um, and give that some time, it will start releasing chemicals that calm down this whoosh wave, um, predominantly GABA. Um, So asking about values, asking about different perspectives, all of these things are disruptive to the, you know, fight, flight, or freeze chemical flow. Mm-hmm. So that can yeah, and really I help. have uh, yeah, and I have uh, in 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 really it's like really severe situation really just um, encourage the client to just stop and breathe. I mean, they come to the call and I can feel that yeah. they're not breathing. They're just so um, <laughs> distressed and upset. And um, just having them breathe and take deep breath and just, you know, coming yeah. coming back into their body because I, I really feel that sort of they've left, <laughs> they've left their body, yeah. they're just somewhere else. Um, that is another way really um, that really calms the brain and, um, you know, brings them brings them back to the uh, pr- present moment. Now, here's an under, another interesting thing. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. And just, uh, yeah, no, I'm actually curious. I'm thinking we should talk about some other areas as well, if, if that's where you were going. And I'm also curious if we have any callers. We don't have any callers right now, so I will um, I will interrupt okay. when yeah. I see somebody come onto you um, onto the switchboard. Um, so I, I, what I wanted to say is, yeah. um, you know, what are sort of the what is the spectrum of the the challenges uh, aside from you know a client coming to the call and is completely you know panicked and and upset like what what's what's been showing up like in your coaching practice ah, in terms of challenging clients yeah. yeah um challenging coaching things um one of the things that I've been uh, it's not been showing up as much in my practice, but I coach a lot of coaches, and so I hear a lot about challenges. And mm-hmm. one of them has been one of them that's been coming up is is the Teflon person. And what I mean by that is the person who has been getting feedback in an organization, you know, that they might, and usually it's feedback around their emotional intelligence and probably feedback that they don't have much um, and that they need to be better at communication. And that person just kind of, uh, it just sort of falls away. Like they don't take it seriously. They don't engage with it. And what do you do when you've got uh, a client that is sort of impervious to the world around them and the feedback they've been getting? And I think that's a really interesting challenge. Yeah, I agree. I've uh, I had a conversation with a uh, colleague uh, recently, and she was actually uh, talking about that. Uh, very, very similar. Um, in this case, it, it was actually within the coaching conversation. She pointed something out to to, to the to the client, um, and the client completely. I mean, couldn't see it. Like was it was literally. It was as if it were invisible. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And some of our, you know, some of the coaches that I work with are internal coaches. They get people in coaching. And this isn't the person that necessarily doesn't want to be in coaching, but 
but but there are sort of levels of engagement with coaching. There's the, oh, my God, yes, I really want to use this to change and explore myself. And then there's those who are viewing it perhaps a little more transactionally um, mm-hmm. rather than transpersonally. Like, I really need to change a little bit more like, you know, let me figure out how to work the system. So what yes. advice do you – and I'm pondering as well as we talk – what advice did you have for your colleague, um, if any? And I'm just, just asking you that so I can buy a little time and ponder what my advice would be for somebody facing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I mean, I quite naturally went to the brain because that is the only way yes. where, I can, uh, where I can find that it makes any sense. And um, what I very briefly explained to her um, were the uh, the was a different way the right and left hemispheres see the world. And so I pointed out to her that um, a client that has maybe a more stronger left hemisphere or are in this situation um, sort of leaning more and, and really sort of relying a little bit more on the logical, analytical part of their brain versus the right brain, and I said to her that um, for her to remember that the, this part of the brain, when it is stressed, really goes into, um, you know, blame and denial. And it's sort mm. of like this, oh, you know, it's, it's sort of this part where, where you can show something to um, this person, client or not, and they literally uh, deny that it's there or that it even impacts them in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so I, I just said to her, you know, it is, it is the challenge. Um, you know, there's beautiful strength in the left and right hemisphere, but the left hemisphere, when it's stressed, goes to denial. And so one way of overcoming this is helping this person look at relationships and how this, whatever it is that they're up to, um, how it impacts other people and what they might how they might feel about it. Um, so that is sort of the this is sort of where I went. So what is what sort of what light bulbs are going on for you? Like what would you do yeah, in this no, case? I strangely so this is a place where I, I exactly I mean totally aligned with you. I think that this is what is happening is um, the the left hemisphere situationally has gotten overactivated and it is very good at filtering things out, which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I love my I love my left hemisphere. Sometimes I need to filter everything out so that I can focus on writing an article and I need to not pay attention to what the cats need or if my bed is made or I need to filter and focus. And so the left hemisphere is really good at that. And it's the hallmark of a lot of people who have success in areas where they need to filter and focus. But Mm -hmm. sometimes what you filter out are is like how other people feel (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the bigger context of things and where it all fits for the organization. And, you know, the the left brain's not always adequately selective about what it's filtering and not. So what I think that, that I do with this kind of client, if they're committed to coaching, um, is explain to them a bit of, of left and right brain and so that I can kind of neutralize it without coming and saying, and boy, are you ever a left brain rigid person? But I talk about um, our, we have four quadrants that we look at with the right and left hemisphere. And the left hemisphere is very good at structure. If you take structure too far, it becomes rigidity. Right hemisphere is very good at freedom. If you take that too far, it becomes chaos. And I'll you know, show a client this model. And if you're curious about where to find any of these resources, the best place is probably to go to my blog, which is yourcoachingbrain.wordpress.com, because there's lots of stuff out there about stress and managing stress that we're talking about, right and left hemisphere, et cetera. So at any rate, I talk about that, and I let them look to see whether anything sounds familiar. I let them choose so that they are – um, they feel uh, respected. And um, then I may talk with them in a, lo- in a long-term coaching engagement about developing some more strengths on the side that they may not be as strong on. 
and really framing it up like, I want you to be the most amazing leader you can be. You're very, very strong over here on the left, but what if that's like developing, that's like going to the gym and working out one side of your body. And we need to work out the other side. And I've got some great tools to work out the other side. Now, these may be tools and things that you don't, aren't as familiar with because it's, you know, it's like going to the gym and saying these, it's, to work out this side, it's a completely different set of tools. We can't use the same things that you've used. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to ask you things like metaphor because that'll take you into your right brain. I may ask you where you notice things in your body. That's going to take you more into your right brain. We may uh, just go into some visualization because the right brain's more visual. All of these things are not because necessarily I find them entertaining or, you know, I'm a weirdo, but I'm, they're, they're targeted to help you build more strength over here. And mm-hmm. here is what we suspect. I'm not going to say no. This is what Ursula and I theorize, and there's some data to back it up, that anything that gets them over in the right brain will give them an overall benefit of all of the things that are in the right brain. So for what I mean by that is, Metaphor is processed in the right brain, not in the left. You start having a very rigid client explore metaphor. That may, that may bump them into some more emotional intelligence, even though you're not specifically working on that. You just got them in the right, literally, um, arena for, for that sort of thing. Does that yeah. make sense yeah. no, what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, uh, you know, the piece of advice, uh, you know, to this, this person, uh, to this coach, you know, it was really, uh, it really the light bulbs went on and, say, and she said, oh, my God, yes, this makes complete sense. And, um, you know, from that perspective, you know, the judgment also um, went away because it really is a function of, of our brain. So we have a caller. So I want to um, unmute oh, uh, the caller and see um, what questions um, uh, this person has. So I'm going to unmute you, and I hope, yes, the unmute button this time works. So welcome to um, <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. This is Ursula, and I'm here with Anne. And, um, uh, yeah, who are you, and what's your question? Uh, good, good afternoon, ladies. This is Dan. I have a question about... Not only coaching the client, but coaching the environment. Um, I know how mm. I've handled this situation, but I'm not sure I'm handling it the best way. And what do you do when you're engaged with a client in an organization and part of the hindrance to their performance, or a major part, is your coaching client's boss and <laughs> or the toxicity of the coaching client's organization, oh, but you've been hired by the organization and that person's boss. And I, I know how I, how I, that happened to me one time and then I, I know how I address it now, but I'm not sure how I address it. I address it the best way. So how do you handle it when oh, part of the know. problem is the boss or the, or the toxic organization the person works in? It, yeah, I think that I, is I such the, a good, that's such a good great. point, uh, and and it's funny um, just because just before Dan was uh, asking this question, I, I was actually thinking about the same issue. So, so and what did you want to ask well, Dan? I'm curious. Well, I'm curious how you how you handle it now. Um, well, after it happened to me the first time, um, when I first meet with a, a coaching client, I always have a meeting with my coaching client and their supervisor. And one of the questions I ask in that initial meeting is, what if one of the challenges or one of, one of the problems is sitting in the room with me? And usually mm. the supervisor now will laugh nervously. And most <laughs> of the time, the supervisor will laugh and say, well, if it's me, I want to know. But I like having, having that mm. permission. But nice. I, still don't, I still don't have an ideal way of, you know, what if it's, you know, if this organization is just toxic? You know, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't included that in my initial meeting. And so I'm just yeah. curious how other people address that or headed off at the pass or, you know, just some other ideas when that is the issue. Because oh, I, I do you. find that it's not just 
the person's performance, there are factors external to the performer that impact their performance, and a lot of times it can be organizationally or leadership or both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and you can only coach the person in the room. Let's put Dan a li- back on mute just because there's a little bit of buzz coming in. That is a great. Yep, I'm, I'm going to put Dan um, on mute for a moment. Let me let me say something contextually about this because I love that you brought up this question. You know, thinking about the, the the difference between brain and mind, and that the. I think for for us in this field of human potential, human development, we're not just dealing with people's brains, that's part of the equation, but we're really dealing with their minds, with who they are. And we have come to see, and this is such a great example of it, that who we are able to be is influenced by our mind, in other words, our our being, you could say, is influenced by the, the context that we're in, the relationships that we're in, how we're treated, what's possible, as well as our own brain function. And so I love this question of what do you do in the context, whether it's in an organization or it could be a marriage um, or a family system, the context makes it very difficult for that person to reach their full potential. So that's part of, the, that's part of what I wanted to say to frame this up. And Ursula, what thoughts do you have? I love Dan's idea uh, Mr. Yeah, that's a, and I actually, um, I, I'm thinking particularly of one client right now that is in that situation. Um, and uh, to be honest, Dan, I am not sure if she came to me uh, to, to get clearer on what is up for her next or whether she originally came to me in regards to how to manage all this. Um, I really... What, what I try and do is, um, and luckily I don't have to have the supervisor or anybody involved because my clients all come, you know, from their own motivation and the organization is very rarely involved. So that's, uh, I, fi- I find that to be a blessing. Um, so in, in her case, what I am really trying to help her see is exactly what Anne is actually talking about. We talk a lot about the the energy and the impact of uh, toxic people, of dysfunctionality, of how other people are making decisions that really literally often keep her handcuffed and, and really in a place where she cannot be the person that she wants to be. So we are really talking a lot about values and um you know, an impact on the brain when the brain is stressed, what in our language we would call below the line or above the line, you know, energies. And it, what, what it has done thus far, I think it has helped her see that there is a certain influence she can have, but it is ultimately limited because it's not that she's only fighting one person, but there's multiple people who are all either really frustrated or worried and are just not in this open and creative place where she can um, have an impact. Um, so quite honestly, yeah, can I, <laughs> to be, yeah, to be yeah. brutally honest is, is really, um, you know, I am, I am hoping that, um, you know, eventually she will see that it is really causing her, um, great distress and it has an impact on her health and that she will leave. I, I, I mean, I, the way that you're talking about it makes so much sense and I just wanted to, to build on it because I'm so excited about this conversation. I mean, I think there are, there are a couple of things. So one is when people are in that situation and for whatever reason it may take them, it may take them a while to move on um, there are some, you know, there are some questions around can you be a, can you find allies and, you know, is it possible to be mm-hmm. a force for a more healthy culture? That's an interesting mm-hmm. angle for coaching. Um, I think the other, the other piece, the two pieces I want to say is there's something such, it can be such a gift and blessing. And in terms of their leadership you know, when I think about the, 
you know, what I might call, and I use these words sometimes interchangeably, the spiritual journey or the leadership journey, if that's more palatable. And, you know, what, I'm, what I always think about is this guy that I worked for years ago. Was my, basically, Ursula was my first coach, and she's coached me about this toxic guy that I worked for for about a year. Um, and it was one of the most important parts of my leadership journey. This guy was an idiot. He was horrible to work for. He eventually got fired from his organization for being massively inappropriate, uh, early precursor of the Me Too movement. Um, but... For me, figuring out how to have my voice, figuring out what the pattern was there, looking at who did I need to become, um, what, you know, coming, always coming back to me, which Ursula did a great job of, um, because there were reasons that I felt I couldn't leave. And ultimately, that did become part of the coaching was, was what is the structure for me leaving. But it became, I had to learn my own value. And he was one of the most effective teachers of that because he was such an idiot. Um, and I just find that to be, you know, like there's, there's always that place to mine for gold. The, you know, if you can't leave, let's figure out, let's, let's, let's work this again. Let's work this weight in the gym. And what is it showing you about yourself? What is it showing you about what you want? What is the edge here? Um, I think also the other piece, and this really goes to what you were saying, Ursula, is that for many sensitive people who find themselves in this position, like they want to do good work, it's being thwarted by a toxic organization or boss, um, there is, there can be a very strong tendency to feel like they are the failure, they are the problem. And so another part of the leadership journey or spiritual journey is to really recognize, like, honestly, what you can and can't influence and what is yours and what isn't. And mm. that's a great lesson. Man, like, oh, this isn't me. That can be a huge blessing for that. So that's also where I tend to go is what's the – you know, if this is what we got, man, then this is a great, another, you know, this is a great learning space. Well, and uh, building on that, and I really love, uh, you know, where you're going uh, with this in regards to lessons, what I, what, what helps from, you know, mining all the learning, whether it is about strength or impact on organizations or leadership journey, whatever it might be, it will ultimately get more clarity for the client whether they do want to stay or whether they do want to leave. Because that learning of, you know, the, limit, the, the limitations that they might encounter, the strengths that they have but can't express, uh, you know, whatever it might be will lead them with greater clarity to their next, you know, their next adventure with, with a lot, with a much clearer mind than they might have yeah. been uh, able to see, you know, until that moment. And I think that, you know, I think about clients that I've worked with on job transition and that this also points me to this really big question that I have learned to ask over the last, you know, 15 years, which is, you know, you're so busy trying to sell yourself to this organization. What about whether or not this is an organization that's a fit for you? And how do you, you know, how do you do your, I mean, this is sort of basic stuff. I don't mean nobody's ever thought of this before, but for me it's become a critical piece you know I've got a, a client who just took a new job and we had a lot of conversations around this like how do you know if it's a healthy culture or not because they're going to tell you of course these are our values la 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 how do you know if they walk their talk who do you talk to how do you find that out before you know before you get before you take you go back into this company because they seduced you into it and you're back in another toxic soup so yeah the more that the more that we can do that and discern, that also pushes, you know, and even say to companies, I don't see that you have a staff development process in place, and that's important to me, so I'm not going to take this job. Giving the companies the feedback about, you know, the stress and the pressure 
And, you know, I'm actually would love to come work for you. I love what you're up to. But what I've heard is that you require 70 hour weeks and that's not what I'm interested in. And if we start telling companies, if our clients start telling companies, I won't come work for you because of this or that aspect that feels toxic to me, that forces a change long term. And the millennials, by the way, are doing that. They're saying, no, I don't want to work like that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Companies are like, what's wrong with the millennials, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and then this is, a, again, a really interesting, uh, you know, um, sort of viewpoint and question from Dan, and it's not only organizations. I find that when I have clients that come to me because of a relationship challenge, yeah. um, the, that relationship, that other person will become part of the conversation and really I think helping them understand that it's really not about this other person but it is ultimately about their own learning and who they are being and what choices they are making and I think when these are relationships topic that can really be a tough one I find that um I find that an interesting coaching assignment, and I find it also challenging bringing the client back again always to themselves and who they are and what they are doing versus, you know, look what this person said to me and what they are doing to me. Oh, I know. And you just, the, the natural inclination when you hear about some of these things, you know, if it's, especially if it's a borderline, of, of, you know, or mildly emotionally toxic, I won't say abusive, toxic relationship, you know, the, at the, I always have that kind of mama bear, you know, let me just go give that person a piece of my mind rather than saying, okay, there's a system here. And this person may not be the one who's saying toxic things, but what, how are they part of creating this in their life? What is their role and what is the, what is the learning that is being highlighted for them in this moment? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, yep. you know, boundaries, et cetera. So really, really good question. And I really wanted to say one more underline, which is that the old view, so this is a little, um, little con- context, I think the old view is sort of like we are, you know, responsible for ourselves. And so we are sort of this isolated, contained body and, and brain. And, you know, it is our absolute ultimate responsibility. Nobody does anything. And it's all about this sort of self-contained being. And this new definition of the mind, which comes from Dan Siegel, and we really have looked at it a lot and can't think of any better one, that the mind is an embodied and relational process regulating energy information flow. Now, don't worry too much about that. Other than that, what Dan is saying is forget the isolated we are who we are in isolation. We are who we are in context. And the context matters. And there are times where, honestly, the truth is that client is not going to be able to fully be who they are until they shift their context, whether it's their marriage, whether it's their, who they're working for. That is, and, you know, that's, a tr- that's the truth of the matter. They're going to be constrained in what they're capable of because we are so influenced by each other. No matter how strong we are, it's how we're designed. It's a good yeah, thing. no, absolutely. Yeah, no. Um, it's, I'm going to just quickly put Dan back on uh, on live, so I because I want to hear if if that was helpful and um, uh, yeah, Dan, does this is this helpful or what are you thinking? Sure, I I agree with all of those things. They've they've given me some additional insights, and I'm also reminded that it's not my job to fix this large organization or corporation, I'm really hired to work with this person, and I do believe in the perfection of things, and so what's the beauty of the situation for that person Mm -hmm. in their life and career? Um, And Mm -hmm. I'm also, as I hear you speak too, I also have the opportunity to share with folks at uh, the very first meeting, I can say, you know, what if one of the challenges or problems is here in the room, and I can also say, you know, and sometimes in my work, we discover that Part of it is the environment in which we work. And what would you like for the client or me to do with that information? And just kind of feel them out if they have any interest in that. If they do, great. If not, you know, that's not not my focus. So um, all all the things that you've said have helped me clarify um, Mm -hmm. kind of adjusting my way of handling that. So thank you. 
Yeah, You're welcome. And thank you, Dan, for a really and a really great idea, which is you know for those especially who work in the organization, have a meeting with someone to really bring that up, and so that you've got permission to uh, potentially even involve that supervisor. So beautiful. Yeah, no, We've absolutely. got time for one one more topic or one more caller if we have anybody or something or you know something else. And so, Ursula, what's been showing up that we haven't talked about yet that might be uh, of universal relatability? Um, yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I'm not well. Here it is. The I. I was asked um, a couple of months ago um, whether I would be willing to coach someone around grief. They had lost um, Mm. a spouse. And in fact, there were two people that uh, this person wanted to refer to. And it's interesting. Um, I kind of pondered it and then said no. Um, I said, you know, that's... I can't relate because I haven't lost anybody, you know, close to me. Um, I, I, I just, you know, it, it, it's the relatability of that, that subject. Um, I had a challenge with, and having had a chance to think about it sort of like a couple of weeks, um, I realized that that maybe was not such a good decision because although I haven't, I can't relate per se, but there are many other things that I have in my toolbox that potentially would have mm. helped this person, mm. you know, with grief. So I don't know if this is a challenge or, but it's been on my mind. It's like, you know, yeah. around grief coaching. Um, and then I wanted to refer this people to this person, uh, these two people, to someone I really love and respect. And unfortunately, she has retired. So there I was back oh, in no. the in the pondering and thinking, yeah, oh, what should I do with this? Let me let me say something about that because I mean, there's sort of a couple of things. One is more kind of classic in coaching. Is I love that you said, you know, this isn't. This isn't my my main area, and there might be somebody who is. So I think that's always a a beautiful thing to to. For me, that's a prosperity mindset to say I don't have to take every client. Um, I'm going to be gracious and generous and non-attached, and and send you off to someone who really has developed their skills and their awareness around this. So I I actually think that's a very Above, you know, in our words, a hugely above the line response, and and one of the things I love in the coaching profession is the graciousness that people um, sometimes step away from clients. But I mm-hmm. also think that, um, and probably what some of what you were coming to, we were talking about the left brain in rigidity and what to do and how to help that client kind of maybe develop the other side of their of their being. And I think mm-hmm. that one of the things in, in grief is that we are, what makes sense is that we often are dealing with people who are in that chaos part of the right hemisphere where nothing makes sense. It's hard to sort of organize their thinking. I mean, that, that, um, that and that's appropriate. And I think there are cultures that have long periods of mourning where you're very, you know, it's mm-hmm. rules, but it's, but if you look sort of at the, the commitment behind the rules, the commitment is, I think, to give people the chance to be in chaos and not have to be producing at work and focus, but to be in this place of, I, I'm all over the place. Um, and we don't do that very well in today's society. You know, go to the funeral, get back to work, get back on the horse, you know. Yeah, like, right. Get back on mm-hmm. the horse. Rather than, you know, take a month to let this new way of being in the world without someone you love integrate. It takes time to integrate that. Back to sort of, I'll say one other thing, then I'll let you talk. I'm sorry. But back to Dan's question, the environment, the context, when we lose someone, who we are changes because they have co-created who we are. Yeah. We're not yeah. isolated and alone. So we need time to integrate that I'm now walking in the world, 
you know, for me without my mother, for you without your father. And so that has an impact on who I am. It's not good or bad. It's just true. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this conversation makes me realize I should have asked you. I should have ta- I should have called you and said, you know, what do you think about this? Because uh, I was sort of uh, you know groping around in the dark a little bit. Um, but what I what I was I then the coming thing, to, by the way, <laughs> uh, in the moment it was like, hmm, not so sure about this. Uh, but I uh, what I do realize as well is is uh, that I think. In that case, at least, at least in the beginning, really, it is really about empathy. Is is um, is providing the client with a space of love, um, and not judgment, and no no rush, and also um, getting away a little bit from this consensus reality that we often talk about that grief should look a certain way. And I think our culture does funny stuff in regards to that. So, you know, for me, I think um, what could have been really interesting is being curious about how they see it and what it actually feels like versus what does the culture, the family, the friends, what are they telling this person how they should feel versus what's actually Mm -hmm. happening. Right. I love that and the beautiful curiosity. And I think about, you know, the way that – for some reason, I think about it's my son's birthday today. He's 22, um, oh. and mm-hmm. happy birthday, Noah! I'm, I just almost makes me well up because I'm so incredibly proud of him. But you know, I think about when I was pregnant. There was a, there was grief involved in being pregnant, which was grief about not having you know, like who am I as a mom? How do I feel about being a mom? And 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 there was excitement. And I'm not saying it was only grief. There was a huge amount of excitement. I did it, you know, and I did it with 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 joy. But there was this other piece about I don't know who I'm going to be, and I'm losing something. I'm losing some level of independence, and maybe feeling like I'm losing some possibility. And having a coach who would have been deeply curious about every aspect of my experience. That's the time in my life that I think, God, I wish I'd had a coach. I would have, yeah, been, no, you're right. I would have had such a better pregnancy as yeah. it was I suffered because yeah. of consensus no, I reality. Agree. I was supposed to be yeah. happy, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yep, yep. So, well, we are almost coming to an later, end. I am. <laughs> yes, we are almost coming to an end of, of our show, and we should we should wrap up. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank you uh, and for uh, you know uh, sharing this time. I I always find this just uh, really fun and and interesting. And yeah. We hope that the callers that listen to the call uh, will get, will get some value. Um, if you want to find out more about Be Above Leadership. Go to www.beaboveleadership.com where you will find uh, more about our work. Anything else you want to say while we, as we say goodbye, Anne? Oh, I just want to say that, you know, check it out on Blog Talk Radio if you're listening to this. Our next show is we are going to talk about parenting using the seven levels and neuroscience. And um, we've got a wonderful guest, Jillian Rowinski, who is a parenting expert in from the most above-the-line, curious, I-don't-know-what-the-heck-I'm-doing perspective. So uh, the three <laughs> of us are going to muse. And what's really fun, too, is she has really little kids. I have a young, you know, very newly young adult, and Ursula's got grandkids. So we're going to be able to look at yes. this with many layers. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that would be very July, fun. I think, or June, June or July. So take a look on there. Yep. All right. Thanks, Ursula. This was a delight. Talk to Thanks, you. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.